genre. Welcome to The Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Cass Fredrickson. Today on the show, we'll be discussing The Trial of a Time Lord, Part 1, The Mysterious Planet. Parts one through four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. The Sixth Doctor's Eighth Story. Does that t- subtitle... I don't remember that subtitle anywhere on the episode. Uh, no, it's sort of like an unofficial title. It's like how you kind of like divvy up the right. individual stories within the Trial of a Time Lord. Um, like live, die, repeat. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So then, so, so, uh, okay. So when we last left the Sixth Doctor, mm-hmm. the Doctor was in distress. And <laughs> the show. Had, I hate you. <laughs> the we remember. show had been canceled. There was a sing-along. It worked. Um, it And it worked, and the show was brought back from cancellation one year later. Uh, so it was canceled, you know, 1985 and uncanceled in 1986. And uh, the show uh, returned with this new season, uh, season 23, in uh, September of 1986. So it was like a full like 18 months without Doctor Who on the air. And yeah, so they agreed to bring it back and they had agreed to bring back the show at its full capacity, full amount of episodes. Um, and they were like, hey, why don't we go back to the 20-minute the episodes so that we can produce more episodes uh, for cheaper, right? That's good. Everybody wins. And they're like, yeah, great. Let's do it. And so all of these things were agreed upon. And then when they got their contracts, uh, the BBC swindled them and took back on everything that they promised them and said, uh, JK, not only are the episodes shorter, but your uh, episode length is shorter than even the 45 minute episode season last year. Um, so they went down to like, I think from 20 to 14. Um, and from 45 minute episodes to 20 minute episodes. Um, so yeah, so they got kind of screwed. Uh, no one was happy about this. Uh, everyone was really bummed out. Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward were both in a situation where they were like, I, I don't know what to do here because 14 episodes, like, so what? We're just going to have three stories because the, the, the suggestion would have been like, you know, with 14 episodes, it seemed like the best course of action would be um two uh four-part episodes or 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 yeah two four-part episodes and a six-part episode so that's just three stories um which felt weird uh and like not nearly enough so then they rethought it and uh decide settled on having um uh uh four two four-part episodes and two two-part episodes um and In doing so, still realizing that there's not a lot of space to do what they want to do, they decided let's make this episode special and give it an overarching theme, similarly to the Daleks Master Plan during the First Doctor's era, um, or the um, Key to Time during the Fourth Doctor's era, uh, which were both season-long stories that Nick has no frame of reference for yet. Um, The first first one I heard for the very first time just now, and I'm really excited. Which one? The Daleks Master Plan. Oh, yes. I wouldn't get too excited. Okay, because I'm picturing like a group of Daleks gathered around like a blueprint. Um, <laughs> that doesn't not happen. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the big problem with Dalek Master Plan is most of it doesn't exist, uh, um, which is which is why it's a slog to get through. The fire? Yeah, no, 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 not oh, a fire. Oh, just just taping over oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just. Tape I always over wanted it. to be the fire because it's more dramatic. Yeah, it's not. 
It's not. It's just a bunch of people who didn't care about the show. Eh, tape over it. No one's going to want to watch this shit again. Um, like a dad in the 80s. Yep. <laughs> yep. No one wants to watch our kids birth, Marie. <laughs> There's a football game. Alf meets Nancy Reagan tonight. <laughs> it's historic. <laughs> Um, I guarantee you more people are going to want to watch that than <laughs> our kids. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, um, that was the vibe of everyone who worked at the BBC in yeah. the 60s, I think. Um, <laughs> so so uh, Eric Sayward um, went out to uh, find writers to work on this season. And, and the first person that he talked to, of course, was his absolute hero, uh, and the man that he considered his mentor, who wasn't really his mentor, uh, Robert Holmes. Um, Robert Holmes, classic Doctor Who's greatest writer, very arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say inarguably, but I'm sure some people would argue with me against that. But he's great. And uh, yeah, so he invited him to write the opening story. And it was like, hey, write the opening story and write the last story in this. Um, and Robert Holmes agreed. So he started to pen the story, The Mysterious Planet. Um, then at the time called Wasteland, eventually becoming Robots of Ravalox, um, and then finally settling into the Mysterious Planet before removing the title of the individual serials altogether uh, for uh, just Trial of a Time Lord. Um, so while Sayward was putting together his little writing crew um, for this season... John Nathan Turner was desperately trying to leave Doctor Who. Um, He didn't want to be on the show anymore. It was causing him to lose his hair and just like, I mean, he was just losing his mind. He hated working on this show. The past 18 months were were just like an endless nightmare for him. And he wanted out. Uh, But BBC was like, hey, here's the thing. If you leave, we're canceling the show. He's like, so you're going to trap me here. Or you're going to can't I'm, I, all of these people are going to lose their jobs. And they're like, that's right. You got that's it. So shady. Yep. And and he was like, uh, OK, so he was stuck. And no matter what he did, um, no matter who he reached out to at one point, um, you know, when the announcement, there was a leak, an internal leak. And by leak, I mean somebody faxed something to somewhere it wasn't supposed to go. And so that person immediately uh, Mm. printed this fax into a fanzine, um, which then spread like wildfire, revealing that there was only 14 episodes this season, 14 half hour episodes this season, all under an umbrella storyline. Whoa. Yeah. Can you imagine? If we were doing TDC on like a college radio station in the eighties together, that would yeah. be like all we would talk about for like. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know. So, um, so because of the fanzine, everyone found out that the show was uh, was coming back, but was also coming back in a truncated fashion, and as a result, people such as um, let's see, what is his name, um, Terrence Dudley, who wrote the King's Demons. For season 20, uh, he reached out to John Nathan Turner and it was like, hey, if you just want to quit the show, then quit. I'll take your job. Like literally (laughs) people were blaming John Nathan Turner for this. They thought it was his decision because he wanted to leave. And they're like, oh, well, obviously he wants to leave. And so he's he's trying to like work as as little as possible. And he's like, yeah, if you want to just ruin the show, just give me your job. Um, so it was like it was stuff like that wow. uh, where John Nathan Turner was just like getting it from all sides. Um, he was the BBC's punching bag uh, and everyone else's punching bag. And it wasn't his fault either way. He wow. had nothing to do with any of the choices. He was just trying to survive. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so he was not having a good time, uh, but wasn't allowed to leave. Eric Sayward. Uh, OK, so he had hired. Robert Holmes. Robert Holmes wrote this story. They turned it in using a bunch of notes that they had been given um, from the uh, BBC's head of serials at the time, uh, Jonathan Powell. Um, And Jonathan Powell gave them a bunch of notes. He was like, hey, you got to make the doctor more likable. You got to make the things more comedic, less violence, you know, just chill out. 
chill out, be a little bit more like the Doctor Who that everyone knows and remembers. Uh, and they're like, cool. And they told him that to Robert Holmes. And Robert Holmes was like, great. I'm going to write a real Doctor Who story for the first time in a long time. Um, and he did. And they turned it into Jonathan Powell. And he was like, this sucks. It's not violent enough. <laughs> it's too funny. It's goofy. We're spending too much time with side characters. And the Doctor has completely changed his personality. Literally, completely contradicting every single note that he had given prior. Oh, um, and... Uh, John Ethan Turner and Eric Sayward and to an extent Robert Holmes but not as much because he was kept in the dark for a lot of this by Eric Sayward who was trying to protect him his, his precious writing papa <laughs> they were like oh so they're literally just trying to like tank the show they brought it back because of the immense pit pressure um, that was put on them by the fans and the amazing song right but they do not want this show to succeed they are deliberately sabotaging the show and so with that in mind, and with everything else that was going on, they decided to give this, the, give this season the overall uh, storyline of the Trial of a Time Lord. They're going to put the Doctor on trial the way that they felt the show was on trial. And that was the sort of like metatextual narrative of the season. Eric Sayward gave, uh, uh, told Robert Holmes that he had, that they, that the BBC had notes and gave it the notes in the nicest way possible. And Robert Holmes was, basically destroyed um, because he considered himself sort of like understanding and knowing Doctor Who better than anyone. And the notes were so contradictory to what he believed Doctor Who was that he was emotionally wrecked by the, by the notes um, did another draft of the mysterious planet, which is the version that we have now. Uh, but a lot of people believe that this moment Getting these notes are the things that eventually led to Robert Holmes uh, succumbing to illness and death um, very what? soon after. He like he just sort of like this was the only thing he that just, he like, had. Shut down. Yeah. This was like the only thing that he had that was like keeping him fighting because he had real bad hepatitis. Um, oh. And this was apparently the thing that was kept keeping him fighting. And then after that moment, that's when his health went to shit. And, uh, you know, that's that's when he eventually he died shortly after this season, I think, aired. Um, and I don't think he ever finished writing the final episodes. So, yeah, because the final one isn't credited to him. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, just a bummer all around. Um, this is a really rough time for the show behind the scenes. And it's honestly a miracle that this season is as good as it is um considering everything that's going on behind the scenes so so there's that uh and then the other small thing there's two small things that i think are, are interesting these are not part of the overall narrative but i just think they're fun little details um so first of all this episode opens with a six foot model shot um it's like they built a six foot long model um of this space station where the trial is taking place and they shot this thing. It's a 45-second shot. Stunning. Stunning model work. Um, and it cost 8,000 pounds, um, which is the most anything has ever, the most single sequence any, like, that, that has cost any sequence in the show ever, in the history of the show, um, up to this point. Uh, and probably up until, I would assume, the Fox TV movie. I would guess, but it's, uh, it's yeah. far and away the most visually arresting, like just like mic drop, like we're, ba <laughs> we're back, baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When, when Nick watched it, like when he sat down and I pressed play, he was just like real, like kind of like, just like, <sighs> he had his tea and he was like, all right, let's we're getting back into <laughs> let's this watch now. Doctor Who. <laughs> okay. All right. And then I pressed play and this started happening. And as soon as the camera like <laughs> did this little like shifty move, he mm -hmm. like, he bolted upright and was like, wait, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> it like, just kept going. It was like, yeah. it was, it was very, it was almost like something out of like Star Trek, the motion picture or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Look at this thing we built. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that's largely, that's what they were trying to replicate because they felt BBC felt that they were losing viewers to Star Trek and Star Trek reruns, uh, and, uh, 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 the, the premiere of next generation 
and mm-hmm. like Star Wars and things like that, Doctor Who couldn't compete with that stuff because the budget was too low. Um, and so they were like, well, let's do this one thing and yeah. see how that goes. I can't imagine being a child and seeing that on my TV after like waiting so long for the show to come back. I know. It's crazy. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing is they block shot all of the trial stuff. Which, you know, makes sense. But uh, <laughs> there was a uh, communication issue and <laughs> and uh, they were like, okay, we're going to shoot all the trial stuff on this day. So um, get the get the set ready. And so they <laughs> they built the set and people showed up to where they were supposed to be to shoot. And there was no set. And they were like, where's the set? And they're like, over at this soundstage. And they're like, you guys are at the wrong soundstage. Oh my God. So they built the entire set on the wrong soundstage. Um, and other people were coming in to shoot something else there and build a set. And it was just, uh, a nightmare of miscommunication. Oh my God. Cause they just built this entire set wholesale on another thing. Now, the interesting thing is I don't, I don't have the research in terms of like, I couldn't find what the resolution of this was. If they just swap studio spaces so the other production could go to the other place or if they disassembled the whole thing and reassembled it again in the, in the other place. I have no idea. Um, there's no resolution. All it, all it states is the problem. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how it resolved, but obviously it resolved somehow because they did shoot there. Um, or shoot on that set. I just don't know where the set was located when they finally did. <laughs> but uh, I just thought that was really silly. Yeah. And I I love old BBC studios, like studios uh, stories because of how, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of just like, yeah, just tape over it. Who gives a shit? You know, like this, <laughs> that, that attitude just kills me. It's like my favorite stories about um, Jack Kirby. Uh, he would, he would get... They would, he would finish artwork and he would send it off, you know, to the printer and they would publish it or color it or whatever. And then eventually a few months later, he would get his artwork back and they would be like, here, here's your artwork back. And he's like, oh, great. I needed some of this. And then he would just tear his artwork up and then write on the back his lunch order and give it to a PA. (laughs) He would just use it for scrap paper, like pages that would be worth millions now yeah. oh my god and that's how he would treat it he'd be like well no one's gonna ever give a shit about this crap it's just scrap paper wow. and it's just like wow <laughs> <laughs> it just it hurts it hurts in the same way that like taping over old doctor who episodes that could exist now but don't sure. because mm-hmm. they just taped it over like just hurts my soul mm-hmm. <laughs> um or the fire at alexandria yeah they just they just felt so they, they they had so little thought about the lasting effect of their work mm-hmm. that they were like, no one's ever going to want to watch this again. This is junk. Yeah. But you know what does survive? Guns. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, that's what this episode's about for me. Yeah. Guns always survive. Guns always survive. <laughs> it's true. Um, all right. Well, let's get into <laughs> Trial of a Time Lord, part one, colon, The Mysterious Planet. Part one. <laughs> the Trial of a Time Lord, Part One. The Mysterious Planet, Part One. Written by Robert Holmes, directed by Nicholas Mallet, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward, air date 6th of September, 1986. The TARDIS materializes inside of a massive space station where the Sixth Doctor emerges with no memory of how he got there. He eventually wanders into a room where a man calling himself the Valyard attempts a Time Lord inquiry into the Doctor's recent conduct. The Valyard begins by using the Time Lord Matrix to show a tribunal of Time Lords an example of the Doctor's actions. Cut to the Doctor and Perry arriving on a planet that was supposedly devastated by a fireball, but the forest they are walking through suggests otherwise. They are seen by Sabalom Glitz and his assistant Dibber, two mercenary conmen who plan to destroy a robot for financial reasons, but the primitive tribe of the free stands in their way. At this point, the doctor interrupts the replay to ask what the point of all of this is and why Perry is not with him on the space station. The Valyard says that a side effect of being pulled from time is temporary amnesia, so the doctor should remember the answers to his questions soon enough. 
The Matrix resumes as Perry finds a London underground sign in a cavern that proves that the planet they're on is actually Earth in the far future. While she mourns her planet, the Doctor enters the complex alone and Perry is taken. Meanwhile, Glitz and Dibber attempt to manipulate the tribe's Queen Catrica into giving them what they're looking for, but it doesn't go well and they are taken prisoner. Inside the underground complex, the doctor picks up a bottle of water, which sets off an alarm. He is instantly subdued by people, accused of stealing, and sentenced to a stoning. While he tries to block the stones with an umbrella, he is eventually knocked unconscious. Back in court, the Valyard proposes the doctor's inquiry should become a full-blown trial, and if he is found guilty, the doctor should be executed. Uh, so, so we start off with that glorious model shot, which is honestly fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's that really great bit where, where uh, Six comes out of the TARDIS and he comes out like Kramer entering a scene for the first time in an episode of Seinfeld, where he just like pops out and he's like waiting for like his studio applause or something. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like the first time in 18 months that anyone's seen the doctor. So he's like, oh, get ready for this. Mm-hmm. But there's no studio applause in Doctor Who, Colin Baker. But the children in all their homes across yeah. Britain were clapping. That's true. That's true. That's he held for applause. It was ver- it was it was applause, future applause. He knew it was coming. Everyone was going to be very excited to see him again. <laughs> him and his, him and his, like, him and his smug, fat cat, like, attitude. Um, the UK sweetheart returns to British television. <laughs> Colin Baker's Doctor Who. <laughs> so, so, like, when he, when he enters the trial and is just. He's just a smug, self-righteous bastard. This the whole time we meet the Valyard, mm-hmm. um, who uh, there's information about the Valyard that I read about that I'm not allowed to talk about because that would spoil stuff for later. Thank you. Yes, but um, uh, it's you know the Valyard is there, and you know as the prosecution, and then we uh, the rest of the Time Lords sort of file in, including the Inquisitor. And uh, uh, the doctor is not put on trial yet. This is a hearing to decide whether or not he should be put on trial. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't go on trial, I think, until the next one, the next episode, technically. Right. Or is it yeah, even the next so. story? No, it's this one. OK. OK. Because the Valyard's yeah. like, actually, I'd like to switch. Yeah. This guy's guilty. I'm going to prove it. And the doctor's yeah. like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, so they're like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to prove that you're an asshole. Um, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to show one of the episodes of your stupid show. Um, and, (laughs) and then we, we cut to a video screen airing uh, the episode of Doctor Who entitled The Mysterious Planet. (laughs) And it's just a random adventure. Just him and him and Perry just stumbling around a forest. Yep. Yep. I will say, um, you know, I mean, I guess spoilers for the the big twist, the big Shyamalanian twist of this episode. But, you know, they're walking around this forest and you're just kind of like, I mean, it's better than a rock quarry. But, man, does this not look alien at all? Jeez, guys, come on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then it turns out that was all planned because they're actually on Earth and they don't know it. They Um, They pull a planet of the apes like 15 minutes in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. So like, apparently there's a solar flare and, uh, it wrecked everything. And now the planet is supposedly inhabitable. Uh, and, and Perry realizes this because there's no birds or woodland creatures in this forest with a lot of dead leaves. Um, and, and the doctor is smugly like, yeah, yeah. About time you caught up. Um, although, although in a, lo- in a much more uh, supportive and loving way than he did last season. Yes. Um, less in a bickery way. I actually, I, I dig their like arm in arm, like friendship vibes. I'm mm-hmm. way into that. I, I think it's fun. Um, it's definitely a, a soothing salve after last season of mm-hmm. just them gouging each other's eyes out. Um, all season long. Yeah, because I was watching this and I was like, <clears throat> I don't remember them ever being this like sweet and supportive Mm-mm. with each other. <laughs> and it's so interesting because like <clears throat> they don't dissolve his prickliness. I guess that's why I find the the the, the criticism and notes for Robert Holmes' the script so frustrating is like 
he's still he still seems like the sixth doctor to me but there's just something about the way he interacts with perry mm-hmm. that even the prickliness and the like him being like like she pricks her finger while they're exploring it's like oh my finger and he's like it'll heal <laughs> she's like thanks <laughs> <laughs> and just something in the chemistry is different and it's like kind of like oh these guys instead of like mm-hmm. get her out of here someone call her an uber right which right. was like la- which which yeah. was last season's vibe N- uh nicola bryant's uh, american accent is a lot better this season too um, I think it's like a lot more, it's not as like R heavy. Um, you know, it's, it's a little more subtle. It's, it's, American. Still, it's still not like the best. Yeah. I would, I wish I wrote it down. Cause there was one moment where it was like, I'm going to the store today. And like, but I, it was like, I was like, ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause, every, cause you forget. Yeah. And then yeah. You're like, oh, that's right. Every, every once in a while it, it hits like a bad note, but in mm-hmm. general, it's much, much better than last season where every line of dialogue was a bad note. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, who are we to judge? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh uh yeah uh she's got good hair this season too got to oh, give her that she's got bomb hair yeah it's pretty it's, it's, it's pretty 80s <laughs> it's, it's pretty 80s but not in like a not in like a gross 80s way it's yeah. just like it's like the kind of 80s hair that you would see in the 80s versus the kind of 80s hair you would see in an 80s period piece which is yeah. always like over the top over the top yeah yeah um yeah like a really subtle glow up for Perry. Mm-hmm. Like same character. There's not like a, a reimagining, but yeah. she's just more capable. It just yeah, yeah. It, it feels it genuinely feels like we missed out on a ton of adventures between them. Mm-hmm. Um, between oh, yeah. the last one and this one, uh, it feels like we we missed a bunch, and they've both grown <laughs> in different ways. Uh, and now we're in her penultimate episode. Um. And yeah, it's a glow up in this one, but strap in for the glow down, buddy. Yeah. Strap in. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. The next story is rough. They do bury so dirty, like honestly. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, they really do. They really do. Well, Um, but it's great here. I love it here. Yes. Um, Yeah. She is. She is great in exactly two stories. This one and uh, the the case of Andrazani. Two. Dose. Um, and it's not her fault. It's just the way they wrote her and the way they wrote the doctor in, and how he interacts with her. But, mm-hmm. uh, he is, she's so good here. And I wish we had more of this, this mm-hmm. little slice of heaven that is. Yeah. When it's not being written by someone actively trying to like make the show unpleasant. Right. Totally. Um, so, uh, well, so, so yeah, so we get, um, we get the, the first appearance um, even if it is the reappearance for us, the first appearance of Glitz, um, which is a Robert Holmes uh, character that is uh, here. And then um, later in uh, the Seventh Doctor era in the episode that introduces Ace, um, Dragon something. What is it? Dragonfire? Dragon Fire. Dragon Fire. Yep. Dragon Fire. Um, with the one with the literal cliffhanger. That's what everyone yep. remembers it for. Um but uh, yeah, so we've talked about him before. He's a lot better in this one, though I will say I think he is like full blown Vizzini in this episode um, versus the 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 one later. Um, and his buddy Dibber, who is not in the other episode, is very much like a combination of Fezzik and Anigo. Mm-hmm. Like if you merge those two into one character, you get Dibber, and then Glitz is just straight up Wallachan, like. <laughs> It's there's a lot of Princess Bride in this. I was reminded of Princess Bride multiple times throughout this story. Um, that time there was the time I think it's in this part where they're like walking through like a slightly swampier area of the forest, and I was just like, I was just like, I'm waiting for the Sixth Doctor to be like rodents of, of unusual size. They don't exist. I don't believe uh, they exist. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that thing is such a Doctor Who creature, anyway. The rodent of unusual <laughs> size. There's a lot of like Doctor Who vibes. A rat in. being thrown at an actor by like a, a PA off camera. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yes. Um, I also wish. What's the What's the author? Who's the uh, William Goldman? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's American, right? William Goldman. I think so. I'm pretty sure. 
regardless of America and or not, that dude should have written Doctor Who. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, I mean, we got Douglas Ad- Adams, and uh, which you know. isn't as good as it should be. No, but I, I, I have a feeling that when we get to that point, we're going to realize it's not really his fault. Um, that it's not as good as it should be. Uh, but uh, what is what is the city of what is it? City of Death. City of Death rules. Yeah, that which really is before good. he's showrunner, but he wrote that episode, and it's amazing. Yeah, um, one of the best Fourth Doctor stories. Um. Yeah, so yeah, we get we get Glitz and Dibber, which is oh, I love them. Yeah, Glitz also he reminded me a lot of the classic Star Trek character. I think Harry Mud. Yes, just like a really cool like I'm a rascal. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a like also the like Hondo Onaka from like the Star Wars cartoons. <laughs> and like when we start seeing him interact with the Doctor, there's just such a fun. He's like Fortune's fool. Like he's always going to be okay just by the skin of his teeth. And he was just. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a fun force in the show for a few episodes for sure for sure i honestly i think that if they had uh made glitz like a second companion with perry <laughs> oh my God. like glitz perry and six would have been a team for the ages <laughs> i feel like that would they would have been like the epitome of a perfect like 80s doctor who era just those three going on an adventure like, would have been amazing. Like Glitz like steals like a piece of Aztec gold, takes it back on the TARDIS. Absolutely. Like, that has a curse on it, you idiot. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I tried to tell him, doctor. <laughs> Writes itself. Yeah. See? Yeah. No, it would have been, it would have been, oh. God. I would just feel so bad for Perry having to deal with those two smug assholes all day. I, yeah, I know, but that's like where the comedy comes from. It's just <laughs> like her being like... the only person with any kind of sense. She's cursed, Cass. <laughs> yeah. She's cursed because of the piece of Egyptian gold that Glitz stole. <laughs> oh, oh man. Did they ever get Nicola Bryant back for some big finish? Oh, yeah. With... Oh, okay. That's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just um, I find that the returning companion ones, especially when it's a companion that we have an end, we have an ending episode, an episode where they left. Mm-hmm. Um, I find those a struggle personally because you know uh, I I like the I like the continued continuity versus like the filling in the gaps continuity. Yeah. Um and so like I like the sixth doctor with new companions that we didn't see because we have that whole area of time where he the his version his his show ends but like way before he ever regenerates into seven, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's the same with seven until you know he's going to regenerate into eight. You have all of that time, right? Um, and right. I like I like those gaps more than I like just gaps between companions, little mini gaps, mm-hmm. um, that just don't feel true gaps because you you see the ending. You know, it's why I can't get into the fifth Doctor's audio stuff because mm, it's gap filly. Yeah, because we just we see the whole thing. We get the right. whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, as much as I like Peter Davison, it always feels off and it sucks that like he can't have a companion who isn't one of the companions that he had, you know, during his era. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But uh, anyway, this episode ends with them like abruptly cutting back to the the hearing and then the Valyard being like, actually, I'm going to terminate his life. Yeah. The Sixth Doctor being like, what? I love the Valyard so much. Yeah. The Trial of a Time Lord, Part 2, The Mysterious Planet, Part 2. Written by Robert Holmes, directed by Nicholas Mallet. Produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, 13th of September, 1986. Back in the Matrix, the stoning over a bottle of water is stopped by an official named Merdine before the Doctor is killed. Seeing what happened, a big, sort of humanoid robot called the Immortal, a.k.a. the robot dude that Glitz and Dibber want to kill, wants to speak to the Doctor, so he orders his twin assistants to release another robot to gather him up. Perry is brought before Katrika and informed that she will join the tribe of the free and take many husbands and have all of the babies so that the human race can continue to survive. She's not into this, so she's put into a jail cell with Glitz and Dibber, who tell her all about their plans to kill the immortal robot, but then Glitz is sentenced to death by Katrika. 
The service robot that the immortal sent out to gather the doctor takes the doctor to the immortal, who now introduces himself as Drathro and orders the doctor to help his twin assistants solve a problem with his blacklight system, which I can only assume has something to do with his robot cosmic bowling league. The doctor helps for a bit, but eventually electrocutes the lot of them and gets out of there. Once recovered, Drathro sends the service robot after the doctor again. Also in an escaping mood are Perry, Glitz, and Dibber, who overpower their guards and bail, with Dibber planting a bomb on a blacklight converter before joining Glitz and Perry underground. Eventually, they all reunite with the Doctor as the tribesmen after Glitz, Dibber, and Perry corner them from one side, and Drathro's service robot hunting the Doctor corners them from the other. The Doctor believes that after all this time and all of his adventures, this moment may well and truly be the end for him, and I'm sure everyone watching from home definitely believes him. Listen, guys, this isn't going to mean a whole lot to any of you listening because you're not in our Discord group uh, with the three of us. But are you, are you, are you going to look at me straight in the face, Cass, and tell me that this robot isn't just an 80s robot Steppenwolf? Because he is. <laughs> is it the horns? It's the horns. Yeah. yeah, it's the horns and the color. Yeah. And I just, I desperately wish Steppenwolf and Zack Snyder's Justice League had this voice. Just like showed up like this. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Listeners, there's an incredible, there's a couple of incredible robots in this episode. Oh, man. Yeah. But most of all is, um, I, I thought they were calling him Jethro. Right. So did I, yeah. But it's Drathro. Drathro. With a yeah. D. Drathro. 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 <laughs> Jethro. Jethro. That's a pretty good name for a robot. <laughs> yeah. Um, this robot, he's just a big hulking robot with like pincher arms that like articulate really well, actually. Yeah. Like like a like a robot you'd see at a, at Disneyland in the eighties. Well, you know, like way more advanced than really I think we've ever seen on the show before. Um and then like this, big old longhorn, Texas Longhorn. Horn. Yeah, Texas Longhorn head. Um, and he's big, he's like, he's like eight feet tall, he's chunky and he's awkward and he, and he, and he just, he just, he just wants to end the human race. He has because two blonde annoying. twink henchmen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. They're amazing. I brought up the fact that they, they, I, I would swear that they were just the twins from the twin dilemma. That's just the vibe gro- I got up. too, but I don't yeah. know that they're supposed to be related. <laughs> I don't think they are, but man, um, Yeah. They're, and, they're great. But then there was also, not to jump too far ahead, but there was a maintenance robot. Yes. Uh, that was kind of just a classic, like, on a on a ramp wheel, mm-hmm. like, Wally kind of robot. Mm-hmm. And that thing was agile. Yes. That thing was, like, stealth moding, like, whipping around corners. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have played the Borderland games, uh, uh, Nick and I referred to this robot as, like, clap if Claptrap and a Dalek had a baby. <laughs> Like before, Claptrap could had had legs, like an earlier model. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or like a really ag- like agile Dalek that could like whip around corners and be stealthy. Yeah, and and wrap people up in 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 vacuum tubes. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like taller than a Dalek. Yeah, also like like eight feet tall, right? Yeah, 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 tall. Um, also <laughs> reminds me a little bit of the robot with the with the with the lizard hands in uh, Colony in Space. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of a similar like just blocky vibe to trick people into thinking it's an alien for five seconds, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, there's a great scene where the Doctor meets Drathro, uh, and the the two um his 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 two his like, lab assistant lab Hedgeman. assistants the blondes mm-hmm. um are like checking the Doctor out and trying to figure out what kind of robot he is. Because uh, they don't know what anything that isn't a robot is. Um, they're like, he's too smart to not be a robot. He must be a robot. And they're like, and he's like, uh, J- Drothro is like, they're not, he's not a robot, you idiots. <laughs> Clunk, the kids are yeah, together. Right, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's honestly incredible. Um, Have we talked about the, 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 the society that's, that's grown out of post-apocalyptic or England? No, please do. Yeah, there's like so in the kind of almost like like World's End, uh, mm-hmm. in the in the wake of this, like it's like what three hundred years after society collapsed, five hundred, 
500. And there's like a society that just like lives in the fields and it's run by this, like another incredible side character in this episode, this like queen. Uh, I can't remember the character's name. Oh, it starts uh, with a K. Yeah. yeah. Catherine. I don't know. Yeah, Queen Catherine. <laughs> um, but she was great. She uh, was like cat, a cat, 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 Katrinka. 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 Yeah. There's not an end, so it must be Katrinka. Yeah. I mean, everyone in this Katrinka. episode was a, was a delight, but she, I yeah. thought she was like a really great, like queen of the tribe of the free. Yeah. Queen of the tribe of the free. <laughs> and there's like a, a space device in the ground that they worship like a god, but glitz and glamour. <laughs> glitz, and di- <laughs> glitz and glamour. Illusion and glimmer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> di- di- dipper and glitz. Mm-hmm. Dibber. Dipper. Dipper. Di- with a B. Dibber. Oh, oh, it's, oh, 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 it is dibber. Yeah, it's dibber. Okay, dibber and glitz. Yeah. They, like, they know that it's actually, like, a thing that does science fiction stuff. What did yeah. that, like, it's not black light. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. just, like, yeah, they just want to sell a thing. Yeah, they want to sell it. That's yeah. They're just they're like these people are idiots. We're gonna be able to take whatever they want. Like Glitz is like uh, is like oh, older women love me. Get ready, <laughs> get ready, get ready to watch me. Like just my son. <laughs> I'm gonna lay with this woman so fast, and she's gonna give me everything that she wants, and they get thrown directly in jail. Yep, it's so directly good. in jail. It's great. It's so. It's so great <laughs> yeah and and it's like yeah like like there is focus on side characters a lot but like there's so much fun yeah that you, you don't like where's the doctor which is very different from last season where we're like look the doctor's not good either but it's better than this <laughs> yeah um, because all those side characters take themselves so seriously because eric Zaymer just took himself so seriously and then robert yeah. holmes is just like nah dude just give these two bounty hunters like stupid sideburns and like name them Glitz, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. yeah. And have them be like fun to like like bounce off of. Mm-hmm. They they kind of have like a almost yeah, kind of like a mentor mentee mm-hmm. kind of quality where like Glitz is Jesus. Where yeah yeah, where Glitz is showing Dibber like the ropes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And then there's like underground army people. I remember thinking out like I wanted to say. This episode's commitment to making everyone on screen look as stupid as possible. <laughs> yes. Is super admirable. Yes. Yes. Cause like the robot has like army people living underground, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have like these weird like paintball spray paint helmets. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give it up to uh Nicholas Mallet, who was not afraid to make everyone look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best <laughs> honestly it makes this episode so much better than it should be there's people wearing like skin suits yeah yeah and like head pieces that yeah. make look like giant thumbs um yeah and the episode ends with a bunch of people the uh, the bunch of the uh the the tribe of the free people showing up with guns in a cave and pointing them at the doctor and his crew and the doctor's like this could truly be the end. And then we get a cliffhanger. That's the cliffhanger. It's very dramatic. I like how they alternate between cliffhangers on the planet and cliffhangers during the trial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, so then we go into episode three, which starts with uh, a two minute recap of the previous cliffhanger. Yeah. They really pad this out. It kind of, it kind of pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the doctor says, this truly could be the end of this time. And then someone shoots, they miss, and then they run away. And that's it. That's, <laughs> that's how they resolve that cliffhanger. And Robert Holmes is like, that's how you do it. That's how you do it, guys. My work here is done. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Trial of Time Lord, Part 3, The Mysterious Planet, Part 3. Written by Robert Holmes, directed by Nicholas Mallet. Produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, 20th of September, 1986. So the tribe's people who are apparently well-armed shoot at the service robot instead of the Dr. Perry and the others, and then insist that they come back to their village and talk with Queen Katrika, who promptly sends them all back to the prison cell they just escaped from. Meanwhile, Drathro manages to fix and reactivate the service robot, sending it into the village where it breaks into the prison cell and takes the doctor away. 
The tribe fights and disables the service robot again, and they think they just destroyed the immortal because they know that the immortal is a robot, but they don't know what kind of robot he is or what he looks like, so they decide that he's dead, and they're going to raid his castle for all of his technology because they're no longer in danger because they've obviously just killed the immortal robot. Meanwhile, Perry and the Doctor head off toward the underground complex to try to stop them, but are thwarted by Merdine, who says he's hunting the Doctor before raising a crossbow and firing at them. The Doctor gets tied up to a robot at one point and, and, and trucked around uh, by, the, by, the, by, the, by the Dalek... Uh, Dalek uh, yeah, it like shoots its little its webbings at him. Yeah. Carries him around. Yeah. The, uh, like yeah, the pond. The, 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 the claptrap Dalek or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. I think it was called like Maintenance Robot 1 or something. Maintenance Robot 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a really cool name. <laughs> oh, man. Is, was is this, this... Oh, no, please, please. Is this the episode where like the um the footage has been like quote unquote altered where like they censor some of the words and uh-huh. then the doctor's like, whoa, 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 what's that? I really like them playing with that like metatextually and using the trial as like you know commentary on like what's going on and like setting up the mystery for later stuff i think it's really clever yeah yeah it was great it was it was like you know like proto wandavision yeah like Mm -hmm. yeah um, that's weird it's also it's also like proto new who because we've never really had like i mean you know it it ends up just really being like bookends essentially like this storyline the trial of the time lord because you get those little cut-ins and whatever and it's continuing along but like in general the the bulk of that part of the story is is at the beginning and then at the very end yes. right um and and so but it reminds me a lot of like you know like bad wolf or mm. uh torchwood or uh uh you know those those kinds of things those early russell t davy um season long arcs where they're like yeah, just just give them a little bit, and we'll deal with it at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But like, let's just you know piece me a little along or whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of the first time that they ever did that. It was I really think. cool. It, it, yeah. it made it made me sit up, and like I I started developing my own theories. Where I was like, oh, are they talking about the time matrix? Yeah, like mm-hmm. are they? Because then like it brings the Valyard's intentions into question, and I like how the Doctor is still in Doctor mode. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I also want to say uh, the way that he just butters up to the Inquisitor this whole story. <laughs> is like so great <laughs> he, he just keeps going like i mean right i mean you know what i'm talking about <laughs> and the quizzer is like i surely do not believe that i do <laughs> and quizzer i'm just trying to help everyone i don't even know we're all aware of what you're trying to do Inquisitor, what what is he talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's He's like a little, he's just like this little, like, I don't know, like this little stinker. Yeah, he's um, a little stinker. He's a little stinker. It's, uh, it's honestly, it's the, it's the, it's how Colin Baker's doctor should have been the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's just a little stinker. Um, yeah, or even his, yeah. like, his rudeness towards Perry or him, him being, like, kind of self centered or selfish. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just Robert Holmes's writing, but. Something about him in this story, I just really jived with, and mm-hmm. I had a really fun time with him. At some point, I was like, "Is it because he's not with Perry and he's alone?" Like, and I don't know because I do like the moments where he's with Perry in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. One, I I think it might just be that it's a good writer. I'll yeah. be honest. One other thing that I wanted to point out that I thought was really funny um, with the trial stuff is like every time they went back to the footage and then all of the other assembled Time Lord extras just like swivel around in their spinny chairs and face the screen. (laughs) It's so funny. It it, it reminded me of like, I don't don't know why this was my instinct, but for some reason, the thing I kept coming back to was like reading Rainbow. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, Where, where it's just like, it's just like. Uh, you know, like, oh, I'm going to tell you about this story. And then just like turn to like a, like a TV screen and like you get this little animation and then he comes back. He's like, wasn't that great? Or, uh, or Mr. Rogers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mr. Rogers would do that a lot too. So, so Cass, there was a moment where, um, the Valyard's trying to convince or the, the, the Valyard's trying to convince the Inquisitor that the doctor has like a violent nature. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, I never, I'm never violent. And like, we had Scott, like, I just wanted to have like a montage of just the, third of like doctor every doing... time he shot somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's Scott was like, yeah, it'd be kind of, it'd be cool if that's what this was. 
like a clip show kind of mm-hmm. like commenting on the show. The thing that kills me is that like they probably could have pitched the BBC like, hey, give us 20 episodes and we'll make four of them clip shows. We've been going on long enough. Yeah. And it fits into the story. Like we can make them clip shows and it would honestly make the episode better as a result. And they'd probably be like, wow, that's a pretty good way of saving money. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, man. man, were clip shows a thing at this point? Yeah, of course they were. It was the 80s. That was yeah, like that's 70s like and 80s. That was like the height of clip staple, shows. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <gasps> Never mind. <laughs> I just had a WandaVision theory, but I don't oh. want to say that on the show. Um, <laughs> so the other thing that I want to mention about the trial stuff in general before we get into um, episode four is that... The trial stuff plays differently currently. Uh, <laughs> as we're watching this, uh, there is a president on trial after yeah. being impeached. And uh, this is a trial for a, the president of Gallifrey who was impeached for not doing what he was supposed to be doing. <laughs> and I was like watching this and I'm like, wow, this, this plays different right now. <laughs> it was, I, I might be on the Valyard side. It was, it, <laughs> It was weird as like, I don't consider myself to be like an above average intelligent person. So like, I don't have like a super in-depth knowledge of like the court. So it was weird watching this and being like, wow, I know what they're talking about because I've just been watching <laughs> yeah, like horror stuff for like the whole week. Yeah. yeah. Man, that was pretty weird. When he was like, I'm, I can do whatever I want. I'm, well, I'm, I'm Lord president, president of Gallifrey. Of Gallifrey. <laughs> and they're like, you're not anymore. You were impeached, buddy. And he was like, oh, is that legal? And they're like, yes, very. And he's like, oh. And I was like, wow, this is really playing differently. <laughs> also, it's kind of like Louis from DuckTales, where it's like, he just kind of bites off yeah. another little stinker. Yeah, another little stinker, who is also like a smug asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like the Sixth Doctor. But he makes it work. He does make it work. What was the cliffhanger for three? Uh, oh, was it? Um, is it already? Uh, his name is. I kept calling him Modine, the one who's sending. Oh the, the yeah, people. where he like he's goes to shoot the doctor. Looks like yeah. He's like, what are you hunting? You and he holds yeah, up the gun. Yeah. He, oh, he okay. like points the crossbow so, at him or whatever. So two gun cliffhangers, two trial cliffhangers. Yeah. But Modine's cool because he's the one. So like the people underground believe that you don't go above ground and survive. But he's sending people up till he's like, because he doesn't want people to be working for the robots anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, because yeah. they're supposed, to, he's supposed to kill them because, like, it's like you're a drain on resources. We gotta cull people, and he's just like, oh no, just escape. Bye. That's what it was the culling. Yeah. The Trial of Time Lord Part Four: The Mysterious Planet Part Four, written by Robert Holmes, directed by Nicholas Mallet, produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward, air date 27th of September, 1986. Queen Catrica and her tribe arrive at the Immortal's Castle to raid it for its technology, only to find that Drathro is alive and well and that the robot they killed wasn't the robot that they're all scared of, and then Drathro promptly electrocutes her and dismisses the others. The Doctor arrives next and promises to fix Drathro's black light system only to discover it is beyond repair and will cause a massive, universe-destroying explosion if Drathro doesn't shut it down. But Drathro thinks that sounds rad as hell and wants to see it play out, so he does nothing. Meanwhile, Glitz, Dibber, Perry, and the rest all try to break into Drathro's castle through some food corridors, but he turns on some lasers and hopes they all die. Uh, luckily, Dibber quickly shoots through a wall and saves them. Glitz then convinces Drathro that he has all the black light Drathro could possibly need back at his ship and invites the robot to travel with he and Dibber and uh, go to the Andromeda Galaxy. Drathro packs a little robot suitcase and leaves with Glitz and Dibber for a fun sleepover weekend on their ship where presumably they would all braid each other's hair and talk about what boys they like. Unfortunately, that was not meant to be. As the Doctor realizes, the Blacklight system has entered a self-destruct mode. So, the Doctor does what he can to mitigate the universal destruction and gets out of there. The castle explodes, and with no Blacklight being produced, Drathro collapses, his tiny robot suitcase clattering to the ground. The universe saved, Perry and the Doctor promptly bail on the TARDIS. Back in court, the Doctor points out that he saved the universe and is good, actually. But the Valyard claims to have much more proof to the contrary, and when his case against the Doctor is finished, the Time Lord Court will be begging 
for a swift end to the doctor's life. This is this is this is the best Drathro episode. Um, uh, this is incredible. Stuff. Jethro and the Twinks are both both play really heavily. Yeah, into the- <laughs> Jethro and the Twinks. <laughs> That's the name of my new band. Oh my god! Can we put that on a shirt? Oh, oh wow! I don't think anyone would buy that, but maybe us. I would. The three of us. We sell three shirts. Just look at the silhouette of the stupid robot. <laughs> yes, the robot and the two guys. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man! And people would see it, and they'd be like, "Oh, is that like a Steppenwolf reference, or is that a band?" <laughs> um, Jethro and the oh my god, Jethro and the Twinks. Um, so he, he tells them like, "You're both going to die. Yeah, like uh, you're not going to survive this." Like, and they and they, I I love the little bits where they're like talking to each other, and they just like keep finishing each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the best. Uh, Jethro and his two husbands. Um. <laughs> They, uh, so, okay, so, so the doctor makes it down there and is like trying to convince Drathro that he doesn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you can't kill humans because they're inherently better than you, which doesn't, goes over about as well as you would think. Uh, <laughs> it's another point where you kind of empathize with the villain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what sense does that make? Why? I don't know. You just, you are. You they work. made you. So that means they're better than you. And he's like, ah, to the contrary, it means the opposite. It's like what? Like I kept I kept waiting for like Drathro to just start like quoting like the communist manu- manifesto <laughs> at him. Like the means of production. Yeah. <laughs> the Inquisitor being like, why are we watching this? <laughs> is this the part? Is this the part where they cut to, or is it three, where they cut to a conversation between Jethro and the twins? And the doctor's like, why are we watching this? This isn't my consciousness. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. And then, I love every and, time they do that. And then we learn that the matrix radius, if 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 a TARDIS is in radius, the ma- the time matrix will absorb it and it will become part of the data matrix back on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that this storyline presupposes that what we have been watching has not been a television series called Doctor Who, but a series of, of, <gasps> of like memories from the Matrix. Oh, wow, that's true. Because the TARDIS is always close by. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um. Anyway, the robot has a suitcase, and it's got, the best. He's got a little suitcase when he's getting yeah. ready to go. Yeah. he has these little he has a little bag, his little briefcase. <laughs> no, I missed that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, I think it's Yeah, so like it's so, supposed to be like whatever glitz and and dibber are like, oh, Ooh, we can oh, steal his, that. his like secret box. Yeah. The yeah. Data. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, his little secret. his little data box, but it's just shaped like a like, like a diamond-shaped briefcase. Yeah. And I'm he, ready to leave. And he just like has it at his <laughs> side and is just like walking briskly. Out out of his hideout, holding just, his little briefcase. They just trick him. They're like, "Oh, yeah. what do you need? Black light? I, we have plenty of that on the ship, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. Oh, I I won't. When I survive the trip, I don't have a lot of battery left. Sure, of course you will. Yeah, and he yeah. just he just packs up and gets out of there, and it's the greatest. <laughs> God, there's nothing. There's nothing like a giant robot with a little suitcase. Just. <laughs> He's gonna go. He's gonna go move move in with his two new best friends. Just like a handbag, like just like a like like a clutch. Yeah, you know? like a clutch. Yeah, a little bigger than a clutch, I would say. Not for but, him. He's like an eight know. foot tall robot. It's like a small purse. <laughs> yeah, That's true. Yeah, it's like the size of a human head. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, like a small purse in in comparison to him. I would say. Um, and it's the best. It is the best. He instantly dies uh, upon leaving the room, but it's it's the oh best. to to rewind for a bit yeah so the cliffhanger is resolved with so modine's like i'm hunting you and then he shoots a guy who was going to shoot the doctor because mm-hmm. he was a, he he caught he caught wind of modine's plan and thought that modine was a traitor and there was this moment where like he's dead right the bad guy and the doctor's like ha <laughs> you know like <laughs> <laughs> And and Modi's like, I I recruited him. I've known him since he was a kid. I didn't want this to happen. I I thought that I could like he would last long enough. And it was just this really cool 
empathetic moment of like, oh, wow, like this, it humanizes both of these characters, even this like dead guy who like is in every episode of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but just like this little half page that Robert Holmes included that just kind of made me like, I felt for both of them in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. What I love about Robert Holmes, you know, like we talked about him uh, earlier this season and uh, about his like propensity for creating little side characters that have like their own story. And then like they, they, he usually kills them off pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, And, and it's like, I think it's meant to be some sort of like commentary on like how like, you know, willfully we kill off characters and stories and how they, are the hero of their own story and you should show that before killing them Mm -hmm. so that people understand the stakes. And I like all of that. And I think it's fun, but like early on, it would just be like one character and it would just be like this little thing in an episode where like we meet this farmer and he's just living his life and arguing with his wife and, and then goes out into a field and gets killed by a Silurian. (laughs) And you're like, Oh wow, that really sucks. Um, but then now we're at a point where he's like, no, one's not enough. Um, actually neither is two, neither is three. We're going to do four pairs of side characters. Yeah. Cause, cause, uh, 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 Jethro kills the queen character. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I felt, I was like, oh no, like, yeah, she was kind of an antagonist, but I still like, she was a cool character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was fun. She had a, she had like a, like a hillbilly, uh, uh, queen of hearts vibe. Like, <laughs> like kind of like a Ma Beagle. Yeah, yeah. like a Ma Beagle. Totally. You, you could tell that she was like an effective leader. Yeah. Yeah. She told Glitz to shut up, fat one. Um, quiet, fat one. Which, <laughs> which he took very personally and kind of just shut up the rest of the yeah. story. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man. Just like, just, just, the out of just straight up body shames this guy. Um, and, and here Glitz thought he was going to get laid this whole story. But was not was not in the cards for old glitzy boy. Oh, the wall the the maintenance robot bursts through a hut and just breaks them all out of jail. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Oh man, the lasers. I don't know the, oh, the drawn the la- on lasers yes, yes. in that corridor. <laughs> oh, I also want to take oh. a moment to celebrate um Glitz and and Deborah. They have uh, guns that Scott correctly called out as just leaf blowers. Yeah, they're just leaf blowers. <laughs> but they like, they look so cool. They do look cool. They look like the coolest like school play production of aliens you can yes. ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 A high school production of aliens. Um, <laughs> that's what these guns look like. It's amazing. Uh, or like uh, like like be kind rewind like uh, yeah, Michelle yeah. Gondry. Like if they remade Aliens. That's cool because I also thought like Jack Black could be Glitz and like a remake. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, also, Matt Berry would also be very good Glitz. Got a lot. Get big Matt Berry vibes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you could somehow combine Matt Berry, Wallace Shawn, and the guy from per- Perfect Strangers that wasn't Balky, Larry. Larry from Perfect Strangers. You get Glitz. Just somehow merge those three. <laughs> Hello, people. That's Glitz. I can hear you, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing tops Robot with a briefcase to me. Uh, that's just. Oh, that is just top tier stuff. Well, so so we wrap up back in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with with a very similar threat to the end of episode one. Yeah, it's not the best episode out. It's I I almost want to say they just reused the shot of the doctor reacting <laughs> to the verse cliffhanger. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, he's like, we're gonna this trial is going to continue, and this next story is gonna prove that you deserve to die. I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Oh, I really dug the theme. Yeah, the new theme the is new good. Theme, the, yeah. Yeah, the new theme is a banger. It's like bass heavy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good episode, gentlemen. I really like this one. I think it's the best uh six doctor story. I don't know that like there's period? one that I like more than this. I uh uh like that was that was filmed? Like that's on I think it might be my favorite one that I've watched so far. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. I like it more than the two doctors, which would be the only other one. Yeah, that the two doctors is like to. long. Yeah, it's too long. Um, it should be like 
two thirds of that length. Yeah. This one's just funny. Yeah. No, I think I agree with that. Yeah. Like, I think that there's one that's better. Uh, it's coming up. It's the, it's the penultimate episode, but it doesn't, it doesn't end well because Robert Holmes doesn't write the second part of it. Yeah. Um, but like the first part of the last story. Oh my God. It's it's like a banger. It's so good. It's like, um, crazy. Yeah, no, it's unbelievably good. And then it just, it just, they're like, wow, they're coming in for the most amazing landing. And then they're five feet from the ground and just crash land into a horrible uh-huh. death. <laughs> that's, that's how wow. this era ends. <laughs> um, but uh, that penultimate episode freaking rules. Mm-hmm. It's just part two is not great, um, unfortunately. I'm, ex- I'm excited to keep going. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but we won't be, we won't keep going with Trial of a Time Lord, uh, because otherwise we would be done with the Sixth Doctor this round already. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, instead we are uh, coming back mm-hmm. next week with the greatest show in the galaxy. Uh oh. Seventh Doctor. And, uh, it's the episode I've been waiting all season long. I to genuinely watch don't remember this one, so I'm kind of excited. So good. Is it the greatest show? It's a space circus, my friend. Does it have Sylvester McCoy doing a power slide like Zac Efron and Greatest Showman? It might. <laughs> it very well might. I don't remember that specifically, but that doesn't sound like out of the out realm of character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, out of the realm of possibility for the story. <laughs> Great. Um, the story is bonkers in the best of ways. Uh, it's hella eighties, also, which is in the best of ways. Um, so anyway, Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Uh, that's going to be next week. I cannot wait. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the season, um, go <laughs> check out, uh, our Patreon doing genre.com slash support. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got a, a new goal. We hit a hundred patrons on Patreon. Um, we're going to do a b- new bonus show and, uh, that could be a TDC show. If all of you guys go out and support us and you're the ones that are, are voting, uh, then, you know, very likely if that's the one you want to have happen, then, you know, we're going to be talking about canine or, uh, Torchwood, Torchwood or, uh, Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane adventures or, uh, all of the big finish spinoffs that are, that are around. So, um, yeah, we would, we would add a, a spinoff to the rotation of the, of the show. That's, that's how it would work. Um, so if that's something that you guys want, Oh, and hop on the discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Hop on the discord. There's a link in the show notes. We have a discord, um and uh you, you can talk check about that the episodes out. yeah if you want to bring up steppenwolf i'm sure we'll have lots of memes and things um jokes about steppenwolf you can because... help us design jet their own twinks yeah <laughs> merch mm-hmm. true true my Very new favorite true. shirt yeah what, what kind of band what kind of band would they be would they be like surf rock or, or kind of like sparks sparks <laughs> i don't know yeah there are they're behind the board but he's on vocals yeah let us know what kind of band jethro and the twinks would be <laughs> Is it a boy band? Sure. Let us know. It's a little too on the nose, I think. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Probably is. Yeah. It feels like it feels like Drethro would be the the head, the lead, mm-hmm. the singer, and then the two twinks would be uh on keys, like behind him. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. wanna be like behind a turntable. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who. I'm into it. Doctor Who rules. All right. We'll be back next week with the greatest show in the galaxy. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.